they're thinking, how did you transition from an investor, you know, who had a couple of properties to a developer? And I said, I just decided to. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue our conversation with Michael Lin, a business owner and property developer. We learn more about his current developments, his development strategies and delve into his favorite resources that have inspired him throughout his journey. Lynn explains how a shift in his mindset sparked his journey in property development. I've always had to, I've had to manage um, the builds, and these are not. I guess the fundamentals are the same when it, the process is the same if you were to be a developer or if you were uh, an owner occupier, right? The process is the same to build a house uh, as a developer or to build a house to live in. It's exactly the same in terms of the mechanics, but. Uh, I would say that the mindset shifted when we made a conscious decision to be property developers. And <laughs> we actually uh, were we were in the process of building a granny flat when that happened. And, uh, you know, I have a mentor who told me, um, you know, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing a granny flat. And he goes, oh, I thought you want to be a developer. I'm like, I, I do, but I have to finish this granny flat first. Then I'll find a, a development project, like at least a duplex or a triplex or a four-pack or something like that. He goes, why not start now? And I said, what do you mean? How can I start now? I have to finish this. And he said, um, well, no, it, you know, development is just a mindset. You know, you decide you're a developer and now you're a developer. That's all it is. So I thought, okay, uh, I, you know, I'm always never say no, you know, until you actually try it. So I made that decision with my 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 uh, fiance and she was like okay let's let's just be property developers and we started it, it 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 it's not obvious but that conscious decision made i don't know like a a, a big shift in in our our trajectory as developers because we started treating our little granny flat build as a development project we started implementing systems he expands on some of these systems that they implemented. We started chasing up people a lot faster and just start, I don't know, just treating it like it's a business. And these are things that I already do in business, but for some reason I didn't apply to my property business. It's, it's a weird thing that I've noticed where you have certain inherent wisdoms and lessons that you've learned, but you only apply them to the, the, the area where you had to get burnt but you don't apply it somewhere else, even though it's exactly the same thing again and again and again. It's perfectly applicable. So when we made that decision to be property developers um, and, yeah, our, our project just took off. And mind you, before that, before the – the um, even with my experience, before we made that decision, I actually had a huge delay with my granny flat and my confidence was shot because I – couldn't I had to take my builder to fair trading, which was, you know, I was thinking to myself, God, if I can't build a granny flat, what kind of developer am I going to be? Um, you know, it's, but when when I had that conversation with my mentor, it just changed things. We things happened and it got built in three months straight away. So I thought, oh, that's it. It just made things easier. So, um, and I've had this discussion with other other people in the you know property development community. Where they're they're thinking, how did you transition from an investor, 
you know, who had a couple of properties to a developer. And I said, I just decided to, and it just happened. Lin's first multi-dwelling development has already taught him many lessons. We're currently involved in a six-townhouse development, uh, waiting for DA approval. Um, I shared with you earlier that uh, the current situation, but we're we're planning to proceed as um, planned. (laughs) Uh, But obviously, just like any other project, there's going to be delays and there's been a lot of learnings, a lot of learnings, but I'm I'm grateful for those learnings because it just means that I'm going to get a lot better the next project I do. He describes how he got involved in this deal. It was a product of the systems that we had in place. And when I say systems, I mean um, data vaulting and actually keeping track of all the things that are being submitted to council and also keeping an idea of what the end value sales are and making sure that you actually have a network of agents that you talk to regularly. Um, and that, that's that's what, what I mean when I say systems. Now, um, being able to build... Uh, six is not the norm in that area uh, for that size block. Literally right next door, adjacent block, uh, they built four. And, um, but that was, you know, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or something, 10 years ago. So it's not really applicable, right? But on the other side of my block, I'm not on the other side of the road, as in the other side of my block, literally adjacent, the other side is a, is a comparable size block, obviously, same frontage, uh, same size, very, very similar. They just submitted a DA, I think, early this year for four. So they were only able to submit four based on today's LEP and DCP. But what they didn't do was, and which is what me and my, my wife and I did, was actually drive around the area and identify the ones that stand out which is a process that, you know, it, it's it's something very simple. It's like the culmination of hours and hours and hours of research and work just to find out this one little tidbit, but that little bit of information, that little loophole, that little secret changes the deal completely. You know, it just flips it upside down. And what I've noticed is that, well, that that's how you, you, you can't do what everyone else is doing because everyone else can look at a block and say, oh, I can build four on that and this is the price and blah, blah, blah. This is how much it is per square meter. But there's so much development happening in Sydney. I question how many of them are actually profitable if they were to be purchased today versus the ones that were purchased a long time ago and they've been holding on the land for a long time. So, um, you know, when I'm, I'm trying to compare actual, you know, div- developments that actually make money it's pretty rare uh, that were you know purchased to develop straight away if that makes sense like in in the in the under six or under 10 kind of townhouse kind of um you know space so uh we're able to put six because um we're utilizing a state um planning policy that was able to allow us to do six and this wasn't based on us talking to town planners or architects me and my wife had to suggest it based on what's been around. We gave them the idea. Lin expands on how he managed to get approval for six townhouses on a block that would normally only have four. A lot of people think, oh, you know, go to a town planner and they'll give you the highest and best use. No, they're there to enforce the rules. They just tell you what you can and can't do. They're like lawyers, right? Lawyers aren't there to make you money. They're there to protect you and make sure everything's legal, blah, blah, blah. Town planners are just there to make sure that you follow the regulation. You can actually get approval, but they're not there to help you make money. Um, I've learned that through many different types of town planners. So in this process, we suggested, hey, 
this one, this something like this has been done over here. Can we do this same thing on our block? And, you know, they're like, oh, I guess you can. That's a much better question than asking a town planner, um, what's the best prices? Yeah, and, or how many can you put on here? And they'll be like, okay, that's the that's stock standard answer. <laughs> stock standard answer. Yeah, stock standard question equals stock standard answer. So, you need to do some work. This is this is what sets you apart. That, why? I mean, other than that, what else does a developer do? You know, we're putting the deals together. I mean, if you're not willing to do that work, then what's <laughs> what are you doing? You're, yeah, like what value are you adding to the to the process? Lynn discusses the submission timeline and road bumps along the way of this process. Well, we were supposed to submit this afternoon, but there's been a slight hiccup, as I told you earlier. Um, so maybe it'll be tomorrow <laughs> instead. <laughs> it's just things happen, and you just have to go with it. You, you can't let these setbacks, you know, um, deter you from completing the project one because you're already in, in the project. But it's just persistence. That's that's the key. I'm always going to make mistakes. I've accepted the fact that I'm always going to make mistakes. Like in my in my business, my sister, who's my partner in business, because you know it's passed on to me and my sister. We both run the business. Um, I encourage her to make mistakes because you can only learn from taking action. And if you're too scared to make mistakes, you just won't do anything. And that's what I did. I, I was I was like a worker in my family's business. You know, I was literally just do what I was told, head down. It was so silly. I, I wasted years doing that. You know, it's just silly. It didn't make any sense. So now I'm because we were always encouraged not to make mistakes. But when you don't take mistakes, when you don't take risks, you just don't do anything. You know, and nothing happens. How long do you think it's taken you from acquiring a site to this DA approval process? Like, how long has that taken so far? It's taken three months longer than it should have because um, we had we. I guess I dropped the ball, not we, I dropped the ball there, where I assumed that I found an architect who's done it, you know, done everything. And, you know, he's a very good architect. He's had a lot of experience and he's, you know, he's a great architect. He does his job, but management of uh, an asset is a is, is important. You have to manage your team just like you have to manage an asset. So someone in your team could be very, very good, but if you don't manage it very well, the results aren't going to be very good. So I, because, you know, I, I thought that he knows what he's doing, I didn't touch base with him as much as I should have. And we lost, you know, several months um, due to my negligence. That's what it was, you know. It wasn't because I wasn't working. I was always, I'm always working, but I wasn't working in the bottlenecks where you know where where we would have uh, where it was necessary that's it well it's really good that you 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 um shared that with us because that's a great learning lesson it's not just only for for property development but for business as well what things do you mean by management like how can someone learn from this that they can ensure that if they're working with architect or builder or so forth to manage it better or how, how yeah how to improve there was it wasn't so much fear. It wasn't fear of you know stepping on this architect's toes because I, I have spoken to other developers who are like oh you know he's the best in the area and everyone's always chasing him and he got upset at me and you know blah 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 and he, they felt whatever. It's just taking that responsibility to figure out a way, acknowledging where the bottleneck could be, preempting those kind of things. I mean, what I could have done was rather than breathe down his neck every two weeks and go hey where are you up to hey where are you up to hey where are you up to. I could have just done it in a different way where it's like, hey, you know, how's it going? Um, just touching base because um, I need to let my investors know. 
something like that. Well, he can't really blame me if I need to give an update to my investors. Right. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I'm a I'm a worker just like him. I'm a I'm a cog in the wheel. It's not Michael who's chasing you and hassling you. It's something that I need to do for my job. So I I had that I had that available to me, but I didn't do it, and I don't know why. But you know, now I see the consequence of it. I mean, it's very easy to learn lessons. I mean, if you read any book, you know, now in business or property, there's so many lessons. So many lessons to learn, but you are not in the right state to learn them. Like you learn them, but you're not actually learning them because they're not really applicable to you at that point and time. So you, it's like hearing a, a quote. Oh, that's a great quote. Oh, I can relate to that, but not really. Lin has his sights set on his next development opportunity, which is not always easy in this changing market. We're looking at uh, acquiring another site. Oh, well, there was one I was pretty heavily invested in, which was a 13 townhouse site. But um, after further investigations, not so much that the area was no good or the plant, the project was not feasible to continue, but it's just a, from a financial um, landscape kind of thing. What, what, what everyone, if you're in development, um, is talking about is pre-sales, pre-sales, pre-sales. So if you're actually building something at the affordable end, they're moving. Uh, things that are on the uh, middle and higher end, they're moving slower. So that's really interesting. And I was actually targeting the affordable side of things, uh, affordable uh, side of the landscape. But the issue is because it was for 13 townhouses, I would have required a lot more pre-sales and Right now, pre-sales are very hard to uh, obtain. End product, no problem. I would sell it. No big deal. I'm very confident. But um, yeah, pre-sales, that's the bottleneck. And And that's that's a learning I'm going through right now. If I didn't um, proceed as if I was going to, and I was going to um, proceed with this 13-pack, I would not have realized how important pre-sales are and why I need to um, meet well, you know, find other alternative financial solutions because it's it's something that you know at the beginning I didn't really want to focus on, but it's something that people talk about. But no one, everyone's always trying to think about how increasing the yield um, or putting more dwellings, highest best use of a site. You know, the technical side of things, the planning side of things, the design, but no one wants to actually think about, well, the sales and the marketing side of things. The sales, marketing, and the financing. Mm, mm. It's so important, you know, Um, and um, that's what I'm starting to notice. And I'm I'm grateful for that lesson because I'm going through it right now, which is why last night I literally had dinner with a a broker, you know, because I wanted to know more, you know, Um, just. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to do. Coming up after the break, we'll explore how Michael Lin ensures efficiency within his team in property development. It's all mindset. I mean, you and I in our you know day-to-day you know other life, we know how to call people up, follow people up. Learn more about his mindset. Uh, no matter what I've done, no matter how many mistakes I've made, I've always been up. So now I've lost that fear who his mentors were and how he found them. I've met Jason at a business event um, in a different kind of context. Um, you know, I really liked the way he presented himself. He seems really genuine and he is genuine. All that and much more coming up next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. 
Lin shares advice on how to get through a tough situation in property development such as the one he was in with his initial architect. It's all mindset. I mean, you and I in our you know, day-to-day you know, other life, we know how to call people up, follow people up. These are things that we've already, skills that we've already, it's like sales, you know. Uh, everyone, most people think they're not salespeople, but by, by just being who you are, you are a salesperson. You are very manipulative. You manipulate your parents into feeding you, into whatever, buying you toys. We've learned all these skills already. They're skills that are inherent to us as people, but we just try like i said earlier like just we for some reason we isolate each skill to that particular context and not apply it to the rest of the you know different facets of our lives i mean it's just i don't know it's a, it's just learn by fire he further explains his mindset in dealing with his projects and gives some advice to people starting out in property development so i'm just going to go right in i mean i'm going from a 6 to a 13 i mean sure i didn't get the 13 but that's fine i, I have no fear to do a 13 pack it's nothing. It's nothing now. Even if it was more than that, what's the difference? It's the same thing. It's just, it's the same process. It's just, it's fear is just a, a mental construct in your mind. So why am I setting limitations on myself? Like that's that's all I, how I see it. So would you suggest then for someone who's starting out in property development to start on a small or to jump into a, devel- a big development? <laughs> <laughs> This is funny. You know, it's it's a really funny thing because people give different advice, right? Like the advice that they, they give and what they actually do are sometimes, or well, I've noticed a pattern, very different. So I would advise for somebody else to go for something small, be conservative. I do. I, I really do. That's how I would advise somebody else. But if it was me, I wouldn't. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know because because we're all different. I don't know. I don't know. It's like double standards, but I just it's not because I'm uh, super confident that I'm going to succeed. It's just because I I know where I want to get to, and I know you know I have to do this to get there. And if I don't, I'm not going to get to where I want to get to. That's that's all it is. So I I would do it. I would go for a you know. I mean, I went from. I've gone to a six-pack. People don't start with a six-pack. It's also just being confident in what you decide to do, just actually doing the work behind it. I mean, I I wouldn't do a six-pack if I didn't have the confidence behind me of actually doing the work, of doing months of contacting people and talking to people and just everyone I can speak to about the topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, And if people are passive, then they should do something a bit more passive. Next, Lin discusses programs and mentors that helped him in his journey of investment in property development. I joined a, a program. Um, I'm not going to name that one because I didn't really like it. So, I'm not going to badmouth them. Um, but I didn't really enjoy that property program. Um, and then, um, you know, that's not going to stop us even though it wasn't such a great experience. Uh, we joined another program uh, from I Love Real Estate, which is hosted by Dipna Boholt. Uh, she's a very established property educator um, in, in, you know, in Australia. And really, um, that program... Um, you know, they have different tiers, of course, but that program really opened my eyes as to um, what's possible. So, uh, you know, that $20,000 um, uh, regional deal, I didn't even know you could do this. You know, I would even heard of this strategy before. So when I heard that, you know, when she first spoke about it, um, it you know, I had to find out how to do it. 
Um, so that's what I did. And uh, I spent a couple of months on that and that's how I got that deal. Um, and then as part of her kind of, you know, affiliate, I guess, uh, one of her ex-students, um, Jason Byron and Amy Tang, um, they have their own development program. Um, because I've met Jason at a business event um, in a different kind of context, um, you know, I really liked the way he present themselves he seems really genuine and he is genuine now that i i think i can safely say we're friends um where he's he's a you know uh laid back and very uh relatable kind of person and actually he you know we we related <laughs> based on our our background for in working for our fathers in our father's business and you know the the trial and fire that's involved in in that kind of you know scenario um and when I already know his background in development, and uh, you know when he had a program, I I jumped at the opportunity, and and um you know he's the mentor that's really been helping me to transition from a property investor to a developer. I mean, it's not like he's giving me specific information, but it's just having that mentor behind you who who actually wants you to succeed that really makes a big difference. You know, it's it's not pep talk because I, I'm always motivated. I've never had a problem with that, but it's more so someone who can steer you in the right direction sometimes. Lynn emphasizes the value of having a mentor. And they're exposed to so many other people who've done what you've wanted to do. I mean, yeah, they've done what you want to do, but also they're just exposed to a lot of people like yourself who are at the same level, like same stage or uh, stage in your journey. So um, they, they're, they're a fount of, of, of uh, wisdom and, and knowledge. And it's not about them telling you what to do, because if you're looking for someone to tell you what to do, a mentor is not the right person for you. Um, you you're, you're going to be disappointed and, um, and then you're just going to have a, you know, I don't know, um, have negative feelings about the whole process. And that's not what a mentor is. I mean, a mentor can't do it for you. I mean, it, it's just that's not a mentor. That's a mother, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <Spoon> feeding, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. Like people complain if they're not getting results, but did you do the work? I mean, it's they've told you their secret, their IP, what how they did it. But if you're not taking any action, can you really hold them responsible? It just it doesn't make any sense. It's just like um, you know, uh, people always looking for one thing for an, like another get rich quick or success strategy, you know, and and there's lots of them, and they all work. They all work, but that doesn't mean they all work for everybody because not everyone does the work. That's all it is. And people are always looking for a magic bullet. And it, it's just – it's something that we all know in you know other facets of our lives anyway. But for some reason, when it comes to wealth creation, we somehow expect magic bullets to appear, you know, like lottery tickets. In terms of other resources, Lin draws on a live event he attended that helped shape his mindset. I'm a big fan of uh, Tony Robbins, his live events, um, not not the one that's for motivation but the one that's about designing a life because, um, you know, my family's always about business and entrepreneurship and everything. You know, it's just our, our DNA but, you know, with my um, my significant other, my wife, that's not necessarily her, 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 her I guess, part of her DNA um, and, you know, she she wants to enjoy herself. I mean, I like to enjoy myself too, but we're very conservative. We don't dance, whereas, you know, in her background, you know, her family dances at Christmas and I used to get anxiety every single year leading up to Christmas because I didn't want to have to dance, you know. It just It's just completely different. But after going 
Like, it's just like, oh, you know, Chris Kringle is dancing. You have to dance while you're giving someone a present. And it's just, oh, my gosh. It just, I, I, I couldn't, I, I would be anxious about it. I'd actually have anxiety leading up to Christmas. So, um, uh, you know, when I went to Tony's event, it was just, um, you know, you really sit down and actually question the things that you've accepted or just things that you take for granted and, and really kind of reassess your life. So the program's all about designing your life. And um, I was having a discussion last night with the, the broker. Um, yeah, he, he's going to go to the next event and it's, it's, I'm very, very excited for him. It's one of the best things I've ever done on a personal level because um, life isn't just about making money. I mean, I, I like making money, but not because I like money, because I actually don't spend money. I just I just like making it because it's it's just some what are you gonna do you know like it's just it's like a form of achievement um, so you know I'm able to uh, I guess peel that back a little bit you know money's important and success and achievement but you know there has to be a reason beyond just a scorecard you know and that's where we're trying to enrich our lives by um, helping others and and helping family and uh, I don't know it's just I don't know life is better you know after you actually take time to actually think about what you're doing rather than just doing it mindlessly and not actually considering why you're doing the things that you're doing so um, I, I on a personal level um, I highly recommend that he also shares some book recommendations books that I just read uh, sapiens which is a very popular book for a very long time now Um it, there are points where it makes you a little bit depressed, um, so <laughs> if that's a concern, don't 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 read it. But um, it's a very very informative read. But a book that I really really enjoy currently is um, Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. I think it's from the 1800s or something, but it has or well, 1900s. I don't know, early 90s, 90s, uh, 1900s. Um, they sorry, I, I don't know what year it's from. That's okay, that's okay. <laughs> it's old. Like really good book. Um, but it's it's fantastic. It's a very easy to read book, and it is it's chock full of so many golden nuggets. And I I even though it's so short, every chapter is maybe about five six pages, or even two or three. I have to reread it several times because it's just condensed gold. Not just for business and also for property, but just just I don't know. It I'm I'm liking it a lot. I, it's a very short book, but I haven't finished reading it. That's because I keep rereading the same chapter again and again and again they're just yeah they're they're universal that's what i think lin exposes his why especially why he does what he does and how he prioritizes his life my why is family yeah (laughs) i'm 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 very family uh conscious we're very collective you know um uh everything we do is together and um but after going to you know reassessing in my life and everything um it's not about abandoning family but or abandoning friends but just realizing that you have to prioritize things in your life so my priority now is um it's just three things rather than before where it's just everything all these different things are important but if i had to pick and i did pick it was um my wife my family um and business because business is integral to my family so that was it everything else is just you know just not that they're not important but just having that clear distinction again mindset it just made things easier and um you're not going through the same pain i mean you can't always be hanging out with your mates you know you wish you could but making that decision i didn't have the pain of not hanging with my mates because I wasn't hanging out with them as much as I was anyway. So why why 
do the exact same thing, but also have the pain as well. So, you know, after making that decision, it just kind of changed things and just, you know, reassess our values. And, um, yeah, so that's my why, just family um, and, yeah, and, and providing, you know, like because I'm a provider. Like that's how I, I think of myself. Next, he shares the best advice he's ever received. The best piece of advice... I don't know where I got this from, but I guess actually taking the time to know what's what you want in life. I mean, that's one of the hardest things ever. And no one knows what they actually want. People just do things. They, you know, they're, they're set on the course, you know, they go to uni and become an accountant or whatever it is. And, and then they're unhappy at 40 or whatever it is. And, you know, at no, at any stage, they could have just stopped. And, and it's hard. It is mentally, it's hard to go against the grain, but you'll be happier for it. And why are we on this? Why are we on this planet if we're not? here to be happy you know are we here to suffer it just doesn't make any sense so take the time yeah like take the time to actually think about what makes you happy why why do you want the things that you want and do you actually want them or is it because someone else programmed you you know not because like because they had any malice but just is it actually what you want is it because it's what someone else wants for you you know that kind of thing because i i mean i did badly in in you know academically and that was you know part of my story when i was younger but um yeah i'm happier now because i actually not because i'm you know more successful just because i know what i want and i have clarity and i have direction and that just makes things easier whether i was doing development or you know graphic design does it really matter whatever you do as long as you're happy then you're the richest person in the world anyway so who cares Lin shares a daily personal habit he believes contributes to his success. Work, work. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm always thinking about work. I have that's a problem that I have. I can't switch off. Um, so I, I actually have to do personal things in you know uh, normal hours, and then I'll actually stay up late and actually do the work. Like I, I don't know. It's fun for me because oh, that's what it is. That's that's a habit I have. I've inception myself i was a lazy kid before but it's not because i was lazy it's because i was doing things that i didn't enjoy uh, whereas now i'm following things i actually am passionate about it just changes things that that saying of um work is it's not work if you enjoy it it's true it is true i mean i i work seven days a week i i'm happy i don't need work life this is work-life balance you know it's it's not that hard when you do what you enjoy. So, If Lin met himself 10 years ago, he'd have this to say. I have many things to say to myself. <laughs> Not all good. But um, I think one of them would be um, uh, don't stress uh, because I, uh, 10 years ago, yes, I would have been 21. I was going through a stressful period in my life because I was... Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted, and I didn't really particularly like uh, working in the family business. So, um, you know, I would have told myself, look, everything's going to work itself out. Um, you know, don't worry about it too much and just enjoy yourself. Because at that time, I I was actually um, not – I wasn't enjoying myself, but I also wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, if that makes sense. I was sort of like in limbo. And, you know, when you have – when you're in limbo, when you have no clarity, you have no direction – it's it's what do they call it purgatory right like it's just it's not hell but it's 
it's not exactly pleasant either. So, um, yeah, I would have told myself to just, you know, just enjoy yourself. You know, what will happen is supposed to happen and, you know, um, everything will work itself out. And that's, that's the great thing to be able to see now. All in hindsight. <laughs> it's all internal. You know, it's all internal. I mean, yeah, like I could have been happy and still be in the same position, but why did I have to be unhappy while, you know, doing nothing? So that's, yeah, it's all internal. In the next five years, he's looking forward to more development and growing this side of his business exponentially. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to do a lot more development. So like we're at that stage where we're going to scale. So uh, very excited and I'm, I'm excited about... I've had, I have a couple of opportunities in different fields related to property, but I just like property for the actual development. I, I, I want to build stuff. That's, that's, that's why I really like. I like building things that people, not everyone else is building. I want to, I don't know. I just like to build that. That's, that's what's exciting to me. The idea of what I'm going to build, you know, in the next five years. That's pretty cool. Finally, as a child to a family business, Lin believes both luck and skill are involved in his success. Being a child of business and, you know, uh, this is a common theme or common, yeah, it's a common theme with uh, children of business owners where a lot of people think you're lucky, um, you're inheriting a a business. Um, They do not understand that it is harder being, you know, picking up the slack from your father. It's really, really hard. It's one of the hardest things I had to go through in my life. Um, I I think I lost all my hair at 21 because of that reason. I think I started losing hair within like a month of working for the family. That's how stressful it was. No, seriously, it just started falling out. You know, I was 21 years old. Like everyone in the family is you know, thick head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's not as – but people always want to see the results and they don't want to see the work that you put behind. No one knows about the hours that I spend. No one knows that I stay up to 2 o'clock in the morning, like I would say three, four nights a week doing work because I enjoy it. But still, I do the work. So I would say luck. Luck is important, but you make your own luck. Because I did the work, I'm in a position where I you know, have – greater luck. You can increase your luck by putting yourself in a position to take advantage of these things. There's no point, for example, um, uh, finding a winning lottery ticket on the ground, but you don't know what it is. You've never heard of a lottery ticket before. I don't know. It's a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like if, if, if you didn't even know what it was, if you didn't do the work. So uh, there's no point having luck if you didn't also um, do the work to, to make that opportunity actually, you know, valuable. Yeah. And intelligence is a um, – I, I don't consider myself very intelligent. Um, I didn't do very well at school. I'm not particularly articulate. I – you know, it's just – it's not – I don't know. It's not my skill. Um, and I never worked corporate. I've never had a you know proper job, I guess. But um, I think that EQ is really important, um, just that – persistence and um, I don't know, just having those values instilled in my in me from a young age really helped me. And you know, you know, from from my parents' perspective, I was probably a massive failure as a child. But <laughs> no, really, you know, like they're always comparing me to look at your cousin, he's got a double degree. Look at him, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's all doctor this and there's just that, you know, 
expectation. And I was the black sheep who did badly at school. I mean, you know, the Asian kid who didn't do well at maths, what? You know, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, like there's just that kind of – I mean, the stereotype is real in, in certain cases. So, um, yeah, I, it's just um, – I think intelligence is overrated. It's 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 EQ. Yeah, any anyone can do anything. We're 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 in a world of abundance right now. Yeah, everyone defines success differently, and uh, I guess at the end of the day, you got to define success for yourself, not defined by your parents. And we all know that now. <laughs> so definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> but 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 you know what's interesting is you know like they would probably you know not to my face, but say, oh yeah, Michael's doing all right for himself now. You know, I think they're more happy that I I, I found my way. I found what I enjoy. So. If you want to find out more about his projects or contact Lynn, here's how. Go to my website uh, at www.chathamprojects with an S.com um, and they can just leave a message or send a message uh, from our development website and, and yeah, I, 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 most likely I will get it. Thank you so much to Michael Lynn for joining us in this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.